Ladies and gentlemen, and fellow golfers, for your entertainment. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa, brought to you by Hagen Oaks, America's most awarded golf facility, and Naturewood Home Furnishings, where it's all about choices and always about quality. Welcome into the Golf to Go Radio Hour here on Sackdown Sports 1140. Hi, everyone. I'm Frank LaRosa, uh, your, your host uh, weekly, along with uh, Scott Marsh. And uh, we kind of come to you and, and kind of let you know what's going on in the world of golf, especially locally. I think it's, it's really important that, uh, that we talk about local golf as opposed to who won such and such tournament because all of that is all available on, uh, on YouTube and everywhere else. You can't, you can't go anywhere without finding out what the statistics are. And we kind of bring you, try to bring you some information to help you with your game. Right, Scott? Totally agreed. And, you know, we're so lucky in Northern California, Frank, because it is such a great, great area for golf. We have so much to talk about right here. You know, Gary Player, I asked him about uh, about golf in Northern California, and certainly he he talked about uh, the ones we all know about uh, Spyglass and Pebble Beach and Cypress Point and 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 all of the, the, the really famous golf courses. But he but he talked about you know, some of the, um, of course, like Rancho Marietta, you know, he said that, uh, quite frankly, Rancho Marietta was, was maybe the largest stop on, on the senior tour when he was playing. We had more people come out yeah. in Northern California than, than they had almost anywhere else. So he was always very excited to come and play here and to play a, a, a well-maintained golf course like Rancho Marietta. Yeah. And of course he played Granite Bay when he was out here, he got to see Del Paso and he, had a hole in one at Cotter Verdera. So he got a pretty good uh, view of, of uh, local <laughs> he, golf. He, he's had it all. He has indeed. <laughs> Speaking of, um, of uh, Granite Bay, we're going to have uh, Michael Nicoletti, who's the uh, head pro on uh, next week's show, I think, and uh, kind of get an idea of, of what uh, Gary's reaction was, because Michael played a few holes with him. I know that. And um, learn about, about uh, not only the... Um, the origination of uh, Granite Bay, but uh, what has happened since uh, since the golf course has been redone oh, a little over a year ago, I guess. Yeah, we need to get out there and play soon. I, I know we're trying to make that happen. So there, There's a lot of golf to be played in Northern California. Uh, Ken Martin Jr. just came back from the National Golf Business Symposium. That sounds like a real yawner of, uh, of you know, uh, a place to go and spend some time, but, but the but the um, the statistics and the facts uh, about the game of golf nationally and internationally that he came back with, I just found fascinating. And uh, he sent me some of his notes. We're going to talk about that uh, as we start the show in a moment. But um, uh, his father, uh, Ken Morton Sr., also picked up another national award, and we'll talk about that as well. Um, I, I think you'll be really fascinated with some of the things that we learn from the National Golf Business Symposium. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, the thing about Ken Morton Jr. is that he is on the pulse on what's going on in the world of golf right now, the cutting edge. And it's just so interesting to see what the trends are. And you and I may not be aware of what is like really the next decade or two of golf. And Ken certainly knows what it's going to look like. Yeah, I think to be a fly on, a, on the wall in his office uh, on a weekly basis, <laughs> you pick up a lot of stuff, I'm sure. Uh, also on the show uh, uh, is uh, Tommy, uh, Tom Hutchison, and um, Tom is a recent graduate of UC Davis. Uh, you made a pretty bold statement about him, and we're going to learn uh, what his professional career or his intended professional career is going to look like as he heads off to Q School next week. 
Yeah, he's probably the greatest golfer in UC Davis history, and he's embarking on the dream, right? Every every college golfer's dream is to, to make the PGA Tour, and, you know, we're learning where he's at. Now he's going to Q School to try and qualify for the Latin America PGA Tour, and, of course, he played the Canadian PGA Tour, so it's exciting for the, the, to see somebody graduate and now try to live out their life dream. You're absolutely right. And we're going to uh, we're going to talk to him about Q School and we're going to watch his career uh, if and when he he does make it and and have him back to, to let us know what it's like to be on the tour and, and to realize that dream, as, as you mentioned. Absolutely. So we have uh, lots to talk about here on the Golf to Go Radio Hour, and we will be back with uh, Ken Morton Jr. right after these messages. Ladies and gentlemen and fellow golfers for your entertainment. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa, brought to you by Hagen Oaks, America's most awarded golf facility and Naturewood Home Furnishings, where it's all about choices and always about quality. Welcome back to the Golf to Go Radio Hour on Sacktown Sports 1140. Pleased to welcome in Mr. Ken Morton Jr. Ken is the director of retail at the Hagen Oaks Golf Complex, but um, but Ken is one of the uh, the bright stars in the world of golf nationally, and um, he just came back from the National Golf Business Symposium. Now, on the face of that, Kenny, that sounds really dull, but I, I'm guessing there was a lot going on there. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It probably depends a lot on how much you love the business of golf, whether you found it exciting or boring. So in my particular case, I love golf, so I found it really interesting. <laughs> what is the National Golf Business Symposium, and, and who does it bring together? So the National Golf Foundation is kind of our uh, ruling body in terms of kind of mapping out participation in the game. It's a nonprofit. They do tons of different studies uh, inside the game, outside the game, um, work with a lot of uh, you know, different affiliate uh, um, other groups like the PGA of America and the USGA. And when it comes to letting everyone know whether the game is growing or not growing and where it's growing and um, who is actually playing the game, um, they're kind of the residence experts. So they had a uh, their annual uh, get together back in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And all of the different management companies are there. Lots of different uh, um, uh, golf professionals are there. We had like Annika Sorenstam was at our table. Uh, there are um, all kinds of executives from golf companies, equipment companies, apparel companies, and all there trying to just kind of find out how is the state of the business. I was uh, I, I was really pleased that you shared your notes with me from the meeting and um... I was just fascinated at, at some of the things that uh, that you recorded, and um, one, one of the first ones. On on the one hand, it's it sounds so easy to understand, and on the other hand, I'm not sure I know exactly what it means. But there was a a, a notation that in 2013, 57 percent of non-golfers had a negative impact on golf, and in 2023, they expect 60 percent of non-golfers to have a positive impact on golf. Walk me through that. Yeah. So, you know, obviously COVID really changed the whole evolution of golf um, and and how it's viewed across uh, the United States and beyond. Um, the, you know, beforehand, it was thought a little bit as old and stodgy and, you know, certainly not as welcoming in demographics as we as we probably could nationally. And 
happened over the last three years is that it became literally the only, you know, sport that you could play that was, you know, socially distanced uh, in its nature. And there were so many new people taking up the game of golf that they kind of discovered it, it passed all of its um, kind of its pretenses. You know, everybody was able to knock down some of the walls that had kept them from playing and fell in love with it, just like all of us that play golf have fallen in with it uh, years ago. Um, all of those, you know, barriers that were there, um, people were uh, tried enough to to kind of overcome those. And all of a sudden, golf got cool. You have rappers playing golf and, and musicians playing golf. And um, there's even, you know, uh, like Macklemore, who's a, a famous pop uh, rock artist. He actually has his own clothing line inside golf now you know you have Steph Curry who's got his own golf clothing line with an Under Armour all of a sudden golf's got this really cool uh hip uh kind of version of itself and what it is doing is having a lot of people who didn't currently play or have positive visions of what golf is all the think all of a sudden thinking that it's pretty cool you know, I was in, intrigued by the fact that they they actually set the stage to get us to that point in the uh, in the in the stages of golf, starting out with uh, with Scottish golf and then uh, the transition to American golf, kind of setting the uh, the baseline of of where this game started. Yeah, for sure. And then you know, from you know, that was kind of the Hagen and the Hogan days, uh, and then it kind of evolved into uh, you know Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack and. Uh, you know, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby and all of those uh, kind of entertainment guys playing golf. And that's right about the time Palmer started as well. And so we're we're seeing a similar evolution in golf right now, but with, um, you know, a whole bunch of newer, you know, uh, more diverse uh, artists and actors and actresses and um, it, you know, that same evolution that happened, you know, 70 years, 60, 70 years ago, it's happening all over again. And it's kind of bridged that, uh, that window that included Nicholas and Tiger and some of that athletic golf that, you know, that, that kicked off there in the nineties and two thousands. Um, but now is it's changing golf face. It's, you know, we've got all kinds of new faces. Golf's really a lifestyle more than it is, is a sport. Um, and it's really got this new identity. It's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, lots of uh, uh, kind of it's retro looks, but it's kind of a neat tradition of of culture and and uh, in sport. And it's really changing what golf's going to look like going forward. You know, as you mentioned, uh, when Sinatra and Kennedy and and President Kennedy and and uh, Palmer and and when they were all you know in their heyday, golf. Golf had a coolness to it then, but but it wasn't accepted as as widely as it is now. There's a different kind of coolness where the retro is actually cool as well, as you just mentioned. Yeah, and I do, you know, golf doesn't have, it's not, hasn't always had a really positive history, right? I mean, it's, uh, it has been um, traditionally a, a, a Caucasian game and, and um, you know, even you know, back when, you know, Sinatra and Crosby and, and uh, Hope were playing, um, golf had a certain look to it. And what's so cool now as we get, you know, as 2022 and beyond is that 
it's a kaleidoscope of people playing. You know, it's, you know, women are playing golf at a level that's never been played before. We have more African-Americans playing golf and more Latinos playing golf. And, and all of a sudden now um, it's so good for the game because it's, it represents such a better cross-section of, of who we are as a nation. And, um, you know, we, again, golf has so many wonderful attributes to it. And uh, we, as you know, working for Morton Golf, we want it to just touch as many people as we can. So this new trend, I think, is such a wonderful thing for the game as a whole. They they kind of uh, describe or or define golfers differently now than than ever would have thought of before. Between um, those who are traditional play green grass golf at a golf course, and and the other group is called grassless golf, and and they're pretty close to each other in terms of numbers. Yeah, that's was probably my biggest takeaway from the symposium as a whole was that uh, the the top golf phenomenon within the sport. Um, you know, if you look back, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, whether you define someone who went and played top golf regularly, but never went to the golf course, are they a golfer? And the reality is, is that they are. I mean, that's they we are seeing now about uh, roughly 20 percent of the people who are taking up top golf actually eventually ending up out on the golf course so for the first time we're actually seeing a direct correlation between these off course golf opportunities and the on course golf opportunities but the people that are doing it exclusively and maybe using the ranges exclusively and actually never playing golf that's roughly 25 million which is almost the same number as golfers that we have out in the around the rest of the country and it's within just a year or two that the National Golf Foundation thinks that traditional golf is actually going to be the minority of golfers across the country, not the majority. The game is certainly getting younger in, in, in addition to the different definition of, of who the people are. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's becoming a, a younger person sport now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and again, it goes back to them thinking it's cool. You know, one of the one of the things they threw out there was that roughly 59 percent of 18 to 30 year olds think golf is cool. Wow. And I have a couple 20 something year old sons that think I'm anything but cool. So <laughs> that, that's actually bringing the number down a little bit. You know, so you can, you know overall, that number is probably higher. With 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 that younger audience and um, and I don't know if the values are different, but the way they the way they look at things uh, certainly is different. Um, it creates a whole new uh, realm of uh, of issues to in ways that the game will continue to grow or not grow based on how they feel about um, whether things are eco friendly and and whether they're carbon neutral and and so on and so forth. Yeah, for sure. You know, things like sustainability uh, mean a lot to, you know, my sons are great examples. They, the way, the way they go choose who they want to do business with and uh, choosing brands like Patagonia, for instance, in the outdoor world, um, they do that consciously because they know that their money is going to a place that has a, um, a good uh, natural footprint in the world that we live in. And that means a lot, particularly a lot to those younger generations like Generation Z. Um, and so the, you know, um, you know, finding brands that 
put that forward uh, like in golf, Adidas Golf, they have made a mission that 100% of their uppers within the next five to 10 years are all going to be made out of recycled materials so that they're actually uh, not utilizing uh, uh, products that are from uh, natural world and that can't then be recycled again. And so, you know, as we are choosing your your products, you know, within any of the golf shops that you're you're doing, um, that kind of mission behind it is is very important. Um, you know, the, that younger golfer they want something different out of their golf game than they than you know what has been traditionally uh, a a uh, competitive sport. It's way more social. Uh, it's way less about scoring and tournaments. Um, they want the dress code relaxed. Like 43% of, of that age group wants a much more relaxed uh, dress code. And they really want to uh, have this wild self-expression out on the course. And you look at brands like Loudmouth and Bad Birdie, um, they're really taking over uh, the golf course and, and really having these wild prints and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, you look back in the 70s and we were doing it with pants, but in, in shirts and tops, that's fairly new phenomenon. And and again, this 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 butts right up against the traditionalists. Um, the you know, the notion that golf is stuffy. Well, it, it may be it, you know, it, it, you know, for some people have been playing the game for years and the notion of not having a shirt that's tucked in or wearing loudmouth pants and things like that uh, probably. Uh, creates a, a bit of a rift between this uh, this new crop of golfers and the old golfers, and and quite frankly, if the game is to survive, we're all just going to have to learn to live with each other. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's you know, there's much more music. You know, like with Bushnell, they have a a, a rangefinder that actually plays music straight off your phone, and it's not uncommon that you know, as we go out on our golf courses there, at, you know, Hagen and, and the other city properties where you know, you're following a foursome and they're blasting their favorite bands as they're going down the fairways. And again, that would have been heresy, you know, 10, 15 <laughs> years ago. And, um, but nowadays that's really, really common. Again, people want it again, it, golf as a lifestyle golf as an experience out there involves all of their favorite things. It's their, you know, their favorite cocktails and it's their favorite um, uh, friends that they're playing with and family. And, and, but that includes things like, music and listening to you know world series games and all that kind of stuff right in the middle of their their golf well and and then you bring the metaverse into that as well and that now you added another element yeah yeah that was a wild change for me too uh i had gotten a glimpse of this back at another uh, social media conference that i was at in march and here it really hit home on kind of how impactful that is so um, there, in, again, it, when we think of the metaverse, it's kind of all-encompassing with everything on the, the web at the moment and, um, and kind of all of the, the you know, gaming and, and all of that kind of gets wrapped up in there. And I'll give you an example of how it's going to work, how it's going to, you know, the, the online and the offline are going to be blended. So in January, there's going to be a brand new um, uh, uh, 2K uh, Tiger Woods uh, um, video game that's going to be coming out. Every January, the new one comes out. So Tiger Woods t uh, 23 is going to be coming out there. Well, within the framework of the game, you can actually buy Nike shoes. You're going to be able to buy the latest TaylorMade driver. You can use Bridgestone golf balls. Literally, it's going to be 
a smaller scaled down, but very robust selection of all of the same products that are in our store, but online inside the game. And as you uh, go through and you make some of those purchases and outfit your avatar and your golfer in the game with all of these things, some are going to be unlocking cheat codes and, and extra added benefits playing in the game. So if you're using the latest tailor-made driver in real life, you can actually buy a second virtual one that you're going to use in the game that will unlock a cheat code and have you hit it farther than your buddy who might be playing in the same game without the tailor-made driver. <laughs> and there is going to be in the next five years, $2 trillion worth of online spending in the gaming world with people uh, spending on their avatar. There'll be people spending more on their digital avatar than they do on physical things like clothes for themselves. And again, for me being in my you know 50 now, that is just unfathomable to even think of. But um, again, for these kids that have grown up and all they know is video games, especially over the last couple, three years when they've been locked in their homes, that is just as real as a fairway is for you or I. It boggles my mind. Um, we're going to take a little break and come back because I know there's a lot more. Uh, we're speaking with Ken Morton, Jr., the uh, director of retail at the Hagen Oaks Golf Complex, who just came back from the National Golf Business Symposium. A phrase uh, came out of that, admire, not aspire. When we get back, I want to ask you about that. Ladies and gentlemen, and fellow golfers, for your entertainment. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa, brought to you by Hagen Oaks, America's most awarded golf facility, and Naturewood Home Furnishings, where it's all about choices and always about quality. We are back here on the Golf to Go Radio Hour, Sacktown Sports 1140. I'm Frank LaRosa. We've got uh, Ken Morton Jr. with us. Ken, uh, again, the director of retail at the Hagen Oaks Golf Complex. And uh, Ken just came back from the National Golf Business Symposium. One of the uh, phrases that came out of that uh, from Gen Z was admire, uh, not aspire. What does that mean, Ken? So with that generation, um, the idea of having a handicap or uh, playing tournament golf or, you know, you know, getting from a, a 25 handicap down to a 15 handicap or a 10 handicap is far less important than um, some of the previous generations. I mean, you know, in my generation, we, we, you know, practice and practice and practice so that we could lower our handicap. And for this new generation, the game is far more socially oriented than it is competitive oriented. Um, it's about creating a carving out time with family and friends. And so that um, aspirational of getting, you know, working hard and, and getting better while everybody does want to have those, you know, those great shots out on the golf course. That's not what's driving their time out on the golf course. It's actually um, admiring your friends or uh, trying to dress and and be like uh, Justin Timberlake, your, you know, your, your musical hero, um, being out on the golf course just like he is. And it's it's a different mindset on why people are taking up the game for sure. So from your point of view or, or any golf course operator or any equipment company or, you know, just about anything, that, any company that sells anything in the world of golf, the the notion of marketing to this new audience is totally turned upside down. 
It is. So, I mean, there are things like uh, influencers, which again, five years ago, I would have never even muttered that term, but uh, now there's people within the game like Paige Sporanic and Manalo, who if you guys you know are on Instagram, those are two uh, big influencers. The, the first is a, a beautiful young lady who uh, dabbled in some professional golf, but has millions of followers on Instagram. The other one is a gentleman, uh, uh, a Florida golf pro that actually has been since hired by Wilson Golf. And two, again, he has over a million uh, social media followers. Their reach on social media is actually bigger than the vendors that hire them. Um, so imagine that. I mean, you can have Paige Spranick actually can do a post on, you know, her favorite new driver or the golf ball that she's using. And she will organically reach way more people than the actual vendor that produces that golf ball. And, you know, it's it's kind of the Kim Kardashian effect, right? I mean, you know, it's and whether you like it or not, that's the new reality of, of marketing and particularly marketing to that uh, Generation Z. They, they don't have any uh, faith in, uh, you know, corporations or government or, you know, major brands and, and the media. I mean, all of what's going on in, in all of that has just left them to where they don't, they're just distrustful. And, but what they do trust is their friends, is, you know, certain people of their age group that they feel like represent who they are. And for them, that's where they're going to get their information. And much of uh, information comes from streaming as well. We, I, if I read correctly your notes, we, uh, we more people watch golf through streaming. This was the first year than, than, than some traditional uh, uh, venues. Yeah. So, you know, like on the, the Masters is a good example for the very first time this last year, and they're going to do it again uh, next April. They actually had every single hole uh, where you could actually watch. I mean, if you were super fond of hole three and wanted to watch all the players come through hole three, you can actually hop on the Masters website and uh, actually watch just a hole or just a group. Um, and long-term, that's how golf is going to be viewed, is that uh, if you are a huge Rory fan, you're going to be hop, be able to hop on the internet and actually watch Rory hit every single shot of his round, every single round um, from start to finish, and not pop around based on who the network thinks you want to watch. You're actually going to be able to get to determine who and what that uh, uh, group is that you are going to be following. And if I understood your notes correctly, even farther down the line, you'd be able to put on a headset and, and be on the golf course as well. Correct. Yeah. They were talking about uh, that uh, virtual reality. And uh, again, my, my second oldest has one um, and uh, I, I've, I've had, you know, participated in it for just a little bit. Uh, it's really, really wild. So right now, uh, those Quest Oculus headsets that you put on, they look like big kind of oversized ski goggles. Um, right now, there's roughly 20 million units in the U.S. And by 2025, they think that number is going to be 100 to 200 million units. And again, there will be online telecasts that you'll be able to put your VR headset on and actually see 
video footage on of the golf course and where they're going to have these 360 degree cameras and you're going to be able to turn around and look all the way around you and have 360 uh, view uh, uh, of the golf course and see any hole that you want. You're going to be able to determine exactly where you're looking and where you're following out on the golf course. Again, that makes you the producer of your own golf show. It's it's really cool. You know, again, for traditionalists, you know, this this all sounds like, um, you know, that, that the end of the world is coming. And, and we're not trying to suggest that or that all of this is going to happen uh, tomorrow. But but it is, you know, as the world gets younger, things change. And and why not the, the, the game of golf as well? Quite frankly, this is all all really very positive stuff because we, for the first time, I think we have more than 40 million golfers. Is, isn't that the number that I that I read? Yeah, so for the very first time, and, and again, that, that number is up almost 40% since 2012. Uh, that was kind of our low spot there. So um, it's growing both on the on-course market, but really growing in the off-course market. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. What's, what's, the, um, what's the most fascinating take or, the, or the, you know, what did you learn that meant the most to you um, out, of the, out of the symposium? You know, for me, probably the the, the off course growth, the, the grassless golf growth, was probably one of them. But the other big one for me was how important gambling is going to be in the whole experience. Uh, you know, here in California, every other commercial it seems like we're listening to right now is the the two propositions that are talking about online gambling, and and I kind of tune them all out. But um, the the impact of that over how we watch our sports is going to be dramatic over the next 10 years. I mean, there's going to be a point at which as you're watching golf, uh, you're going to have an option to have a, a gambling telecast or a non-gambling telecast. And if you're watching the gambling telecast and, you know, Rory McIlroy comes up to a par three you're going to be able to throw a bet literally through your television or through your streaming on whether he's going to hit the green or not. And if he's going to, you know, make a par on that particular hole or better. And literally it's going to be interactive with every single shot you're watching, every single hole you're watching. And it's really going to explode that, uh, that dynamic um, in a really big way. And if you're a gambler, you think that's super cool uh, for somebody who, like me, who's not, I view it kind of as white noise, but um, I can tell you that uh, nationally, the um, the impact on it is going to be in the hundreds of millions of watchers, not, you know, and not just guys like me. You must have been fascinated. Buckle in, it's going to be, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, the world of golf certainly is changing. Yeah, uh, something really, really good happened out of that meeting as well, personally for you. I know uh, your dad, Ken Morton Sr., who spent 64 years at Hagen Oaks and um, I guess uh, about a year and a half ago officially retired. I, d- I don't know about that because I see him around there all the time. But but at the meeting, he he won yet another national award. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Herb Graffis was a gentleman who started the National Golf Foundation. And uh, over the course of their 40 or 50 years, they have given an award in his honor that recognizes the person who has uh, done the most to promote the game of golf more than all others. And over the course of that award, um, it has been given to people like Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods and uh, 
uh, Commissioner Tim Fincham, um, Patty Berg. I mean, the list goes on and on and on with some of the real legends of our game. Uh, John Solheim, Carson Solheim, both our previous winners. Um, and for the very first time, they named a PGA Golf Professional as the Herb Graffis Award winner. And it happened to go to my dad, Ken Wharton Sr. And uh, uh, so he had an opportunity to be recognized in a big room of his peers. And um, at this stage in his career, it was a, a really wonderful evening, a very warm and fuzzy moment for him to be kind of honored, um, you know, for, for folks that might not be uh, connected to golf as, as much uh, here in Sacramento. Um, he has started uh, a number of initiatives here in Sacramento that have gone on to become national things like the First Tee National Program. Uh, and he worked with the PGA of America. Every single PGA golf professional goes through a training program that he designed with Stanford. Um, so literally, either directly or indirectly, he's touched every single golf professional in the country, which is, which is wild. Um, so it was a really special night for him. And uh, he's in some pretty rare company. He's in some pretty rare company as he should be. You know, we only know what we know. And, and we're really fortunate here in, in Sacramento and Northern California to have had uh, Tommy Lopresti and, and Ken Morton uh, and certainly the Morton team now. But, uh, but what Ken has done for golf, we, there's no way we could know because it's just we've grown up with it and uh, we we appreciate it but and but we expect it we we expect nothing but the best from from Ken Morton senior and so uh, congratulations to him that had to be a great moment for both of you to share it i'm sure yeah very much so it was uh, again being uh, recognized with your peers is about as fun as it gets Ken Morton uh, Jr., uh, Director of Retail at Hagen Oaks, thanks so much for helping us peek into the future uh, to, on this issue of the Golf to Go radio show uh, from the National Golf Business Symposium. Appreciate your time. Look for you down the road. Thanks, Frank. Back for more right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, and fellow golfers, for your entertainment. It's the Golf to Go Hour with Frank LaRosa, brought to you by Hagen Oaks, America's most awarded golf facility, and Nature Wood Home Furnishings, where it's all about choices and always about quality. The Golf to Go Hour continues here on uh, Sacktown Sports 1140. Hi, I'm Frank LaRosa with uh, Scott Marsh. And uh, Scott, as you know, has a, has a great affinity and the connection with uh, UC Davis, having gone to school there and uh, is the play-by-play -play guy for both uh, football and basketball. So Scott has always got his ear to the ground and, and knows who's doing what over there. Tom, uh, uh, Tom Hutchison is, uh, is, is about to join us here on the show. And um, Tom just graduated from, uh, from UC Davis, and uh, he's off to Q School. <laughs> Tom, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you, guys. I'm happy to be here. You know, Scott... Uh, Scott and telling me about you made a really bold statement and um and uh i want i want to have him help you back it up so you don't have to do it by yourself but he he said you you could possibly be the best golfer in uc davis history i think he is frank and you know tom might be too modest to say that and that that is saying a lot but i mean he was the male athlete of the year at uc davis this past year uh, you know, two-time Big West champion in his days there. He was ranked as high collegiately as number 21 in the entire country. Mm -hmm. So Incredible. it tells you kind of the, the background and what he did while at Aggie. That, that's an incredible story. Um, 
College, you know, is is really interesting, and uh, you know, it 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 has all of the uh, all of the elements that um, you know every student goes through. It in in some cases, it's um, you know, it's the least amount of responsibility you have for the rest of your life. But uh, yeah. you know, what you were doing, obviously, um, uh, you know, kind of getting involved in your in your future probably put that responsibility right back. But tell me about your college career and, um, and how much you're going to miss it, Tom. <laughs> it was, uh, it was so much fun, man. It was, uh, being a professional golfer now, it makes me realize how, how nice it was to have things set up for me constantly throughout, uh, throughout college. It was flights were always scheduled and hotels were always scheduled. So it was, it was really cool having someone plan that for me. And now that I'm a professional and I have to do all those things, it, it makes me miss it a little bit, but you know, it was, it definitely was a uh, going into college. Definitely was a shock to my system seeing how, uh, how good we had it. So. Tell us a little bit about what it was like um, playing on a team uh, from UC Davis and, and traveling around the country. It was awesome. The, uh, the guys that I just graduated with and uh, and are still playing on the team, we were, I told Scott this, we were like family. We were like a group of brothers over there traveling. We had so much fun together. We loved beating each other on the golf course. But once we got off the golf course, we were so close to each other. And it was, it was, uh, it was a brotherhood to us. You know, you mentioned being a professional and you've, you've played on the, uh, PGA Canadian tour and um, mm -hmm. tell us what, what, what's the difference between a, a really, really good college player, you know, 21st in the nation and the players you're up against on the professional tours. On the professional tour, the biggest difference I think is a lot of it is just, it's very small, but you can tell the guys on the Canadian tour, it's a lot about self-belief and you get out there and Everyone's got the game. Everyone is really good, can hit it really well, but it's the self-belief that I believe sets you apart from being successful and from missing a few cuts here and there. It's it's such a fine line between missing a cut and then competing for a win during that week. And it's it's just the the mental game that'll really, really set you apart. And certainly in the game of golf, when it's it's you against everyone else, mm -hmm. as opposed Definitely. to a team game where, you know, a, a mistake here and there can can sometimes be hidden by the rest of the team. You're, you're out there by yourself. And, and yeah. you, you mentioned a family a little while ago. And while you still may have those great feelings for for those people, when you're out there on the professional tour, it's it's you against them. Right. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. As much uh, as as much as I have friends and as much as I, I love these guys, I'm always, always want to beat them. So it's uh it's sweet. It's always, it's always competition. You're headed off to uh, Q school next week. What do you expect? Mm -hmm. um, I'm expecting to play well. Uh, I just stay in it, stay in the present and uh, I'll play well. My game's there and just gotta, just gotta execute. Well, I know Scott and I have uh, not had the opportunity to go to Q school. So and I certainly most of our listeners have not as well. Tell us, tell us what that's like. You did that once before. So what, what, when, when you get there from, from the time you leave, what, what goes on during that period of time? Well, when I get, I'll get there Friday. Um, you just do your best to prepare when you get there. Everyone's 
competing under the same type of pressure. So, like I said, you just try to stay in the moment. Um, you prepare as best you can. You take your notes. You look at the best spots to miss. You you really understand the greens and the grass type that you're playing on. You just take really, really good notes so that there's no room for you to make mental errors when you're out there and you just understand the course your best. And then once it's once it's time for the event, you you keep that in your pocket and you you do your best to execute and you've learned the course. So it's time to go get after it then. Where where are you going and, and how many rounds do you play? It'll be four rounds. I'm going to Ocala, Florida for Q school. So it starts next Tuesday, the uh the eighth until November eleventh. So when uh, Q school um, is is finished and they start tallying up the scores, is it a a certain number they that uh, qualify, or is it uh, mm-hmm. by score, or how, how do you end up, you know, getting getting qualified or not? Yeah, yeah, it's um for Latin America Q school. It's I think there's about 110 guys that are signed up for the uh, the spot. You play four rounds of uh, stroke play and um, top 12 get status for they get guaranteed starts on the tour and top 40 get conditional status. You really want to come in top 12 just to guarantee your starts in the tour because anything outside of that, you're never guaranteed to to actually play in the tour. So top 12 is really the number you're shooting for. And it's obviously you just got to I think you just got to go out there and try to win it. Scott, I think that's probably the closest we're going to get to Q school. Is that a description? Huh? I think I was at Z school one time. Maybe <laughs> you'd call it F school. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. So when you went last time, was it also in Florida, Tom, or does it bounce around as to when no. you went to Q school before? So depending on the tour you try qualifying for, um, it's different. The Latin America qualifying schools, there's only four of them. For Canada, there were seven. And uh, two of them for Latin are in Florida. And then there's one in Argentina and one in Mexico. And then when I did it in Canada, there were seven. And they actually did top nine got guaranteed starts. And then top 30 was conditional. So you're really shooting for top nine when you played in the Canadian Q school. Got it. And your plan regardless is to go to Argentina next. Is that correct? Well, that's when the first, uh, that's when the first, latin q or latin uh event is so i'll be i'll just go out play well at q school and that's my next destination that is argentina that's pretty exciting and i know you know being young and getting to travel i mean that's pretty cool i know you're looking forward to it (laughs) yeah i love it man it's uh i just travel play golf and uh that's my life so i'm i'm loving i'm loving every second of it it's a pretty darn good life what was your major at uc davis uh, I was economics major and I had a communicate communication minor. Um, I actually came into school with a mathematics major and uh, I did that for two years. And once I finished calculus, I figured it was probably not the way I wanted to go, especially since I knew I wanted to go professional. So I switched it to economics and uh, enjoyed that. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Now, will you have a caddy down there or are you truly on your own or how does that work? You can. Some people bring their own caddies. You can hire a course caddy, which I did a few times in Canada. Um, 
I think I'm just going to hire a, a local caddy over there. I think they have better knowledge of the course and, and it'll be easier to trust. So, but it, it just it explain to us a little bit, cause you know, people watch PGA and they know that the highest level and we've heard of Q school and we've yeah. heard of the corn Ferry tour, but mm-hmm. how does, how does it rank when you're looking at like the Canadian tour, what we're talking about Latin America, how would you put it kind of in a context of, of different levels as you move up the, the ranks? Mm-hmm. So, well, I, corn Ferry Q school was, um, I did play in that last month and I was in first stage. And um, that Q school, obviously, Corn Ferry is a higher rank than uh, Latin and Canada. So that Q school was a lot more intense. It felt like there was more pressure. And um, unfortunately, I missed by two shots going to second stage. But I learned so much over there. But yeah, it's definitely better competition in Corn Ferry, even though it's still just a very fine line making that jump from Canada to Corn Ferry and then just got to do well on the corn for a tour. Once you're on it, top 25, get their tour cards. And then 25 in the, in the uh, postseason on corn ferry also get their tour cards. So it's, um, you can really change your life in about a year. Yeah. It can happen really fast. And, and obviously you're very committed to this. I'm just wondering as you map out and you game plan things, have you given yourself, I, I know some people say I'm giving myself five years to get to, where I want to be. Uh, have you kind of mapped that out in terms of what you're looking at long-term with the game and, and your prospects? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I haven't given myself a deadline, so to speak. I think I've, I'm going to put my everything into it right now and keep on grinding and keep working as hard as I can. And say in a few years, if, if I can't see myself continuing this life, then I'll hang it up. But I mean, I'm loving it right now and I can see myself making it to the top. I just got to keep working at it and keep believing in myself. And if I'm able to do that, I think I'm I'm looking at just playing this golf, playing golf for the rest of my life. That'd be a good way to go. I'd love yeah. to do that myself. Um, describe your game to us. If somebody just asks you, what, what's your game all about? Well, I... The best part of my game would be wedges and irons. Um, for my size, I'm not the biggest guy. I hit it quite a long ways. I'm flying it about 300. So whenever I'm hitting it well, I just hit driver and wedges all day, and it's a, it's a good day. So I'm a good ball striker. And um, putting, once I, I just got to wait for the day that I get hot, and that's when the low score comes with the putter. Driver and wedge, I like that. We're talking with Tom Hutchison, a recent graduate of UC Davis and headed off to Q School next week. You know, I I think for our listeners, Tom, you talk about belief in yourself. And I think that's really important for anybody, no matter what they do. But but certainly on the golf course, we we tend to second guess ourselves so much. I I, want to wait till I clear the green, but I'm not sure I can reach it. And maybe if I do and, and so on and so forth. Tell us about I mean, the, the, the real value of believing in yourself and, and what that actually means. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's not always easy. It's, uh, you can always tell yourself you believe in yourself and tell yourself you're confident, but there's a lot of instances where you won't be 100% confident in, in the shot or in yourself, in your game for that week. 
And I think the biggest thing that helps with that is just sticking to a process. So the process is pre-shot routine, your preparation and keeping all those things the same and, and doing it the same and, and really getting invested in it. And when you can do that, then it helps you be confident in yourself. So as in like picking a target, um, if you pick a good target, completely commit to that target. You don't have to be 100% confident in the shot as long as you're 100% confident in that target and your process. Then all you got to do is just let yourself swing. I love it. I didn't realize the game was that easy, Scott. But I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> the next time I'm out, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice all of that. I'm just going to hit dry, drivers and wedges from now on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that shot in between, that, that doesn't mean much anyway. <laughs> Tom, we, uh, we wish you great success here from the Golf to Go Radio Hour. And uh, please check in with us after Q School and, and sure. when you get down to Argentina and let us know how the career is going. Definitely. Thank you guys for having me. We'll be rooting for you. And as always, Tom, go Axe. Definitely go Axe. Well, we certainly wish great success to Tom Hutchison as, uh, as he goes off on uh, to, to realize his dream, Scott, as, as you mentioned earlier. It's, it's, always, it's always exciting when, when someone has an opportunity to, to pursue that dream. And certainly here on the show, we're, we're talking about golf, but, but it can be any dream. You know, it doesn't matter what field you're in or, or what sport you're in or, or what business you're in to to take that first step is is always quite exciting i'll be young again frank <laughs> i think we're past that point in any <laughs> event uh this is another edition of the golf to go radio hour and we'll be back next week to do it all again i'm frank la rosa for scott marsh thanks so much for joining us get out hit it in the fairway it's a game enjoy it